Hi, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. We've got a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, uh, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can uh, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, if you're new to the podcast, you know, you can find it on Spotify. You know, you can find it on iTunes. Uh, you can find the video portion uh, of it on YouTube. So you can watch the entire podcast, but with, with video. Uh, you can also find it on iHeartRadio, wherever you find your podcast. If you are on Android, you can also find it on Google Play, um, and you can find it on Google Podcasts as well. So we're everywhere you can get your podcasts, and we'd love for you guys uh, to continue to learn and study and grow with us and to uh, subscribe and to you know continue to learn and grow and, and get stronger uh, in our faith as we continue to study and grow with our Lord. Uh, before we get started with today's podcast, again, I want to make mention of uh, the events that happened yesterday. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, I'd love for you all to uh, continue to send out prayers if you haven't already uh, for the rest, for the West Freeway Congregation in Texas. I ask that you pray for our brethren there for the things that uh, transpired transpired yesterday. Uh, you know, I'm reminded of, of Luke chapter chapter 13. You know, when, when events such as this happen, um, you know, it's very easy to... Um, you know, on both sides, whether right or wrong, you know, it's, it's very easy to make it political. You know, it's very easy to, you know, post things and all that stuff, which, you know, I'm not really going to get into that. But, you know, I think a, a good thing for Christians to do is to, you know, when events like these happen, to go back to the scripture. And I'm, I'm reminded of Luke chapter 13 um, in verse number three and following when Jesus was talking there and he says, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Well, well why did Jesus say that? You know, in verse number four, he gives an example. He says, you know, of the Tower of Siloam, that, that, that tower fell upon 18 people and slew those 18 people. Jesus asked the question. He says, were those 18 sinners above all men that were in Jerusalem just because the tower fell upon them? And in a sense, that's a rhetorical question. But Jesus said, you know, the tower didn't fall because of a reason. You know, the tower didn't fall because those 18 were the worst 18 in Jerusalem. The tower fell because things happen. Bad things happen. As one of our elders stated here yesterday, um, in lieu of the events, you know, the, the elder here said, you know, bad, evil people are out there and bad things happen. But Jesus warns us about this here as well. Bad things happen. Evil things happen. But he also said, but I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And so, you know, when we find ourselves in situations where we are in sin, when we find ourselves in situations where, you know, we need to get right with the Lord, you know, as the Lord saying, I want you to wait for a long time to get right. He's saying these events, you're living in a world where these events can happen just because you're a child of mine. I, it doesn't exclude bad things happening. Jesus is saying here, when those things happen, guess what you need to be as an individual Christian, you need to be prepared and you need to be ready. And so that's why he says twice, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So again, I, I like you all to continue to pray for our brethren. And I hope that this is uh, also a lesson for us to continue to be faithful um, because anything can happen uh, to us. Uh, so we ask that we continue to, to pray for our brethren there at West Freeway at that congregation in Texas. Again, before we start with our, with our podcast, um, obviously this is going to be the last one of the year. And then we have a whole new slew of guests um, next year uh, that I already have lined up. And I can't wait for them to come on and talk with you and, and grow and help me grow and help you grow as well. 
Um, but before, you know, I just want to thank you guys so much for a great year. Um, you know, I started this podcast in late 2017. I want to say close to my birthday, November-ish um, in 2017. And I really started this podcast just kind of as a, as a somewhat of a therapy session um, to kind of just talk about some things that I was going through, but um, not make it about myself, but how can the scripture help me? And, you know, I, I didn't really think anyone else was listening, to be honest with you. Um, but as I started to put these podcasts out there, I noticed that more and more people were listening. I started to notice that more and more people requested subjects, uh, people that were in the church, people that weren't in the church. And, you know, I, I saw that there was a need for this and, you know, I kept it going. And, you know, next thing you know, you know, we've got uh, just, you know, to name some of our numbers, you know, on Spotify, um, you know, we've got at the end of this year, we have 207 followers on Spotify with uh, 3.7K, 3.7 thousand uh, listeners for the year, which is incredible, which is incredible on, on Spotify. Some artists, you know, that make music don't even have that many. And we're so grateful that um, you're listening to, to the faith, you know, rather than other things. Um, on YouTube, you know, this year we've got 60, 65 subscribers and we've got 1.4K listens um, on YouTube. And then through the podcast host, uh, we've also got another 1.4 thousand uh, listens uh, for the year. Um, and so, you know, in total um, for the year of 2019, there's been a little over 6.5K listens for 2019. You know, and I would have never thought that, you know, me starting this kind of as a therapy session would turn into other people listening. And also we've had a conversion uh, off of it. Now he's a brother of Christ here. You know, we're so, um, we're so grateful for the opportunity um, that the gospel provides to help people. You know, that's what this is all about. You know, this is not about my glory or me getting more listens than other people. This is about me helping the world where I am. And I'm so grateful for you guys that are listening. And I hope that in 2020, Lord willing, um, I have goals and I have different ideas. So, you know, continue to look. Um, and we're so excited um, to keep moving on and, and setting bigger and better goals uh, so we can bring uh, more glory and more souls uh, to Christ in 2020. Now, the topic today, what we want to talk about is obviously we're going into a new year, right, of 2020. And I want to talk about how can you and I how can we be great in 2020? How can we be great in 2020? You know, I think about that word great or, or uh, we always talk about the word greatness, right? I think about that and greatness is, is defined as this. Greatness is a concept or state of superiority affecting a person or an object in a particular place or area. Greatness can also be attributed to individuals who possess a natural ability to be better than all others. And so you think about you think about greatness for a second in the world's sense, guys. Think about greatness. You know, I was just watching uh, ESPN the other day, um, and I was so excited for next year. I think like January or February. They're coming out with a 10-series docuseries on the 90s Bulls team. I mean, and everybody that hasn't talked over these years are going to talk. You know, you know, and Michael always hides away. You know, it's, it's going to be nice to see, you know, to hear Michael's, Michael Jordan's point of view, Scotty's point of view, the coaches, all these people. It's going to be 
great to see that document, right? But you think about teams like that, you think about Michael Jordan, you think about him being great. You know, obviously, if you watch the NFL, uh, this is the NFL's 100th season, you know, and they're they're making a an all-decade team, you know, and an all-NFL team, you know, for people that has played since the very beginning, you know, and they, they're defining people as this person's great, this person's great, that person's great. You know, in the world, we love to recognize greatness, and we love to talk about someone else's greatness, whether it's in the sports arena, uh, whether you can sing, whether you can play an instrument this way, no matter what you do, if it is great and it is above what everybody else can do, then we love to recognize it because that's special, right? We love to, to, to be in awe of what you do, right? So, so let's answer this question. What qualifies you as great in the world? If we talk about greatness, so we talk about guys like Michael Jordan, my guy, I know people don't like it, <laughs> but my guy, Tom Brady, we talk about greatness. What makes you great, right? Here's, here's three things I came up with. One, and remember, we're, we're keeping this in the context of the world, right, of what makes you great. Number one, what makes you great is number one, you have to have a talent, you have to be able to play sports. You have to be able to throw a ball far. You have to be able to put the ball in the basket multiple times. You know, you have to be able to sing well. You have to be able to draw well. You have to be able to do this well or play this well. You have to have a certain ability that you have honed for a long time that is above and beyond what everybody else that do the same thing as you do, but you are top, you are above them because your skill is greater than theirs. So in order to be great, you have to have a talent. Remember, we're keeping this in the context of how the world views greatness, right? And then number two, what else do you have to have? Well, you have that talent, but then number two, you have to be able to perform that talent. You know, there has been people that have talent, but when it comes to the time to perform, then they, uh, they shrink, right? So you have to be able to have a great talent, but then not only have great talent, but when the moment um, requires you to use that to the highest ability, you have to be able to perform. So you think about, you think about, you know, the last second shot, you think about the last two minute drive down the field. This is where we want to see if you are who you say you are, go down this field and score and win this game. If you say who you are, take the ball, clear out, ISO everybody else and make the shot, right? We want to see you perform that specific skill that you have, right? So number one, you got to have the talent. Then number two, you got to be able to perform it. But then here's the thing. Remember, we're talking about greatness, right? In order to have the, you know, you have to have the talent. You got to be able to perform it. But then here's the third thing. People got to see it. You know, you can't just do something amazing and then nobody see it. Because if no one sees it, then guess what can't be validated in you, your greatness. Because guess what? Nobody saw it. So if I make a, a great shot or if I make a great throw or if I sing a great song, but I do it by myself and nobody else sees it, then guess what? Everyone else can't see. Everyone can't see that my talent and my ability to perform that talent is higher than everybody else's. They can't see that. So greatness in the world, you got to have the talent. You got to be able to perform it. But then three, you got to have you got to have witnesses to see you do this over and over and over and over and over again, right? 
And so that's the world's view of greatness. You know, you think about Michael Jordan, you think about Tom Brady, you think about greatness in the sports realm. They, they've always had that talent, but then they always performed over everybody else. And then everybody saw that they did it. So therefore, and they did it on a consistent basis. So now everyone can see, okay, yeah, they're better than everybody else. But think about this for a second. You ever heard um, some people say, well, this person is a great Christian or this person is a great preacher or a great this, or she's a great that, or he's a great that. What, what constitutes you being a great Christian? I think sometimes we get greatness mixed up spiritually from what greatness is physically here in this world. Sometimes I think, and especially, um, you know, and I've seen this among young preachers that they see greatness as, okay, somebody's got to see that I have the talent to speak. Somebody's got to see that I have the talent to hold an audience's um, attention. Then somebody's got to see me actually do it, you know, and somebody's got to see that I have this talent. So therefore, if I can't do these things, then guess what? Other people won't think I am, right? They won't think I'm a great preacher, right? So you think about greatness. What makes you great as a Christian? Now, let me pose this question to you. You know, as a Christian, are we not, um, what's the right word? Are we not required to do good works, right? Remember, um, you know, the Lord tells us, you know, that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your father, which is in heaven, right? Are we not required to be lights? Are we not required to be salt? Are we not required, uh, you know, to help the widows, to do these things, to do good works? We are required to do those things, correct? So let me ask you this question. If you are a Christian, if you are a preacher, if you are whatever, what if, and I'm just putting this, putting this out there hypothetically, what if from this point on, for the rest of your life, what if no one physically on this earth never knew anything that you have done for the Lord and for individual people from this point on? So let's say from this point, you've helped so many people. Let's say from this point, you've written this many books. Let's say from this point, you've helped so many people and you've spoken at these events, which are those things wrong? Absolutely not. But let's say from this point on, no one ever knows about anything you ever do for the Lord anymore. No one knows the people you've helped. No one knows how many people you've baptized. Nobody knows how many late nights you've stood up helping people. Nobody knows about all this stuff that you're doing for the Lord. Would you be completely satisfied with nobody knowing? Because remember, what's, what's, what's the definition? What's the physical definition of greatness? You have to possess an ability that's better than everybody else. That's what, that's what greatness is physically defined as. So would you be satisfied as a Christian person, as a leader in, in Christ's church, would you be satisfied if no one ever knew what you did? Hmm. Here's the second question. Would you keep the same effort that you do now with people knowing what you do? Would you keep the same effort and that same energy if no one else knew? You see, it's, it's kind of easy to answer this question now, but what if this actually happens, right? Then, like we talked about, now it becomes real. 
right? Then number three, here's this question. Oh, this is a big one. What if you never received recognition for the things that you've done? So what if you never get a plaque? What if you never get uh, a degree? What if you never get something named after you? What if you never get this? What if you never get that? So your whole life, you're doing this great work for the Lord. And it's not like your work is not greater than every, you know, someone else's, but it's just not recognized. So what if it's not recognized? Are you going to stop? Are you going to keep that same effort? Are you going to keep that same energy? Here's number four. Would you be completely satisfied if only God knew the things that you have done? Remember, physical greatness. What if I had the ability of Michael Jordan to jump and fly like an airplane? The ability to shoot the ball like crazy, that killer instinct that to where no matter who you put in front of me, I'm going to take him down. If I had the ability and the mindset of Michael Jordan, and I had that my entire life, and I played and I played and I played, but every time I played, no one saw me. Every time I did this, no one was there. Every time I did, no one saw what I was doing. Would my talent be recognized on the earthly sense? It wouldn't because no one sees it. So in the spiritual realm, what if I do everything the Lord tells me to do, but I'm not recognized for it? Will I be satisfied that only God knows? You see, and that's the thing we're talking about. How can I be great and, and uh, a great spiritual person in 2020? We need to understand what constitutes spiritual greatness. Spiritual greatness, young men, is not about how great you can get up and speak in front of everybody. That's not spiritual greatness. You know, you know what that is? That's a really good public speaker. That's not spiritual greatness. If you can get up in front of a group of people, you know, whether it's your age group, you know, whether it's 200 people, 400 people, if you can get in front of them and, and put your hands out like this and then, you know, do like this and express this point this way and do this this way, that's great. But you're a really good public speaker who just happens to be speaking really good things in the Bible. That's what you are. It doesn't mean you're, you're a great preacher. That just means you can speak very, very well. Well, okay, well, what, what makes me great then? What makes you great is not what you do while you preach. That's not what makes you great. What makes you great is what you do when only the Lord sees. So are you praying? Are you studying? Are you growing your own personal relationship with him? Are you doing those things in the scripture that the Lord wants you to do on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not just Sunday and Wednesday? You see, and I used to have this concept when I was growing up, you know, as well, when I would see, you know, great men that I respect, you know, preach the gospel and I wanted to be like them because in my mind as a, as a young boy growing up, when I saw these guys preaching, I thought, man, that, that's, that's the pinnacle of greatness. You know, that's what it is. So in order for me to get to where they are, I have to preach and I have to teach and I have to do everything that they've done. Right. So I kind of had a twisted view growing up of what spiritual greatness in a person was. But as I grew older, I started to realize greatness isn't about um, how you deliver the word of God. That's not what greatness is about. Greatness isn't about, you know, all the, the great things that you have done for the Lord. That's not what greatness is about. Greatness is about 
did you just do what the Lord said? That's all, that's all it is. That's all greatness is. Notice this. Well, how, how can I, what's the attitude of a great person, uh, a spiritual person of God? What's, what attitude should I have? Look at this. And I put this poll out there on, on uh, Facebook the other day. And uh, I had this verse come up, look at Matthew chapter 20. And again, you know, with this podcast, we want to use the scripture. So I, I encourage you to open your Bibles with us here in Matthew chapter 20. Uh, I want you to notice what Jesus says here, you know, and Jesus's disciples, you know, if you don't, if you don't know, they were always arguing among themselves who was greater than the other, you know, so others would say, you know, I'm greater than, than you because of this, or I'm greater than you because of this. And they even straight up came up to ask Jesus, you know, well, who, who's greatest among you? You know, who's, who's the greatest among us? And, and Jesus always had to tell them greatness in my eyes is not about this or this or this. And I think sometimes we still miss that point too. But I want you to notice Matthew chapter 20. I want to notice verse number 26. And I think brother uh, Drew Suttles uh, reminded me of this verse. So I appreciate Drew for this. Um, notice what Jesus says here in verse number 26 of Matthew 20. But let it not be so among you. But whosoever shall be great among you, let him be your what? Your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be what? Your servant. Even so, as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what defines greatness in the spiritual, in the spiritual realm. You see, physically, greatness is, okay, I got to find a way to exalt myself over everybody else. So I have to work to be better than this guy and I have to work to be better than this guy and be better than this guy. So everybody else can see that I'm the top, but Christianity goes the other way. I'm not working to be better than this guy or this brother or this sister or this family or this. I'm not working to be better than anybody. What I'm doing is what can I do to serve her? What can I do to serve him? What can I do to serve this family? What can I do to serve this person? So who's going down on the list? I am. And so if I'm going down, who do I trust to lift me up? But do I trust God to lift me up so other people can see? No, I trust God to lift me up in his eyes. I don't want God to lift me up so my brothers can see that. That's not what I want. And if that's your goal, that's, that's not what humility is. That's not what the verses talk about when it says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. That verse isn't talking about, well, if I keep doing this and serving and serving everybody else, at some point, God's going to lift me up so everybody can see it. That's not what it means. When God says he will lift you up, it might not be lift you up so everybody in the brotherhood can know. God might lift you up so who sees? He does. And I would, and Percy, I would rather have that than anybody else know what I'm, what I'm doing or what I have done or what I will do. That's what spiritual greatness is. Well, here we go. Well, Jordan, are, are you, are you saying that we can't recognize people? You know what, Jordan, I got you. Look, look at first Timothy chapter five, Jordan. All right. Let's all turn there real quick. First Timothy chapter five. All right, Jordan, I want you to, I want you to read verse number 17. All right, let's go. Verse 17. The Bible says, let the elders that rule well 
be counted worthy of double honor, especially those that labor in the word and doctrine. See, I got you, Jordan. So are you saying that honor, that we can't honor people? The Bible says here that we should give elders double honor. See, honor, again, is not as the world's view of honor. Notice this. Honor here is not referred to, or double respect or double honor, it's not referred to necessarily as um, double, pra double praise or necessarily double pay, but it is referred to give that brother, give that elder double respect. But what, what type of respect do I give him? Do I give him respect just because he's better than I am? You see, in the, in, the, you know, in the NBA, other people respected Michael Jordan. Why? Because, all right, there's nothing I can do. He's better, so I respect him. That's not what respect here is with the elder. So I'm not supposed to give this elder or this preacher respect because you have done more than I have, because you have baptized more people than I have, because you have done more work in the church than I have. I'm not respecting you for your work's sake. I'm not respecting you because you've done more than me. I'm respecting you. Why? Notice this. Notice what the scripture says. Go back. Why should I respect them? Because you labor in the word and in the doctrine. So I'm not respecting you for your work's sake. I'm respecting you. Why? Because you're doing what you're supposed to do as the work of an elder. So you're doing what the Lord wants you to do. I'm not respecting you because you're better than me or you're more talented than I am. I'm respecting you because you're doing what God wants you to do. They're not necessarily worthy of more praise. They're just worthy because they're doing a great work. Doesn't the Lord describe eldership as a great work? The Lord describes an elder as you have to desire that work. Eldership is hard, man. And so I should respect that man for the work that he's done. Double honor. Respect him. All right, so, so let's, let's ask this question. So, Jordan, are you saying that we shouldn't recognize men of God when they do great things? So are you saying that we shouldn't recognize this preacher when he does great things? So are you saying we shouldn't recognize this person? What's my favorite word? Take a breath and chill. Just chill for a second and listen, right? <laughs> that's that's my, People that know me, I like that word. Just chill for a second. Get what you got to say. Get it out. Get your thought out. All right? And chill. No, I'm not saying we shouldn't recognize great men because there are great men that have done great things for the work of the Lord. You know, we can go back to the scripture. There's great men. We can go back to the 1900s. There's great men. We can go to men that uh, in the Reformation movement that have done great things for the Lord. There's men in the 20th century that have done great things. There's men in the 21st century that have done and are doing great things for the Lord. So I'm not saying that we are wrong for recognizing them for doing what they do. But here's what I am saying. The men that are recognized, now listen to me, the men that we do recognize, we should not put them at a level of greatness over the rest of us. See what I'm saying? So at the Hall of Fame for basketball, we recognize these guys because they're better than everybody else that's ever played. When we recognize a preacher or an elder, we're not recognizing the preacher or the elder because they're better than all the other elders in, in the eldership and in the brotherhood at this moment. That's not why we're recognizing them. We're recognizing because we see the great work that they're doing. So we should not recognize somebody. So we put them at a level of greatness above us. 
but also we shouldn't um, we shouldn't recognize them that way um, because we shouldn't have the ability to learn to praise men over God or over the messenger. And I think that's that's what hurts us sometimes is I think there are great men that have done marvelous things for the Lord. I, I personally am grateful for those guys. There's no doubt. I am grateful. And I know some of these guys personally. I'm grateful for what they do and what they are doing. But we shouldn't get to the point where we praise them over the message. Here's an example here. And I think if we start to put these things in practice, then we can start praising God rather than the messenger. So we've all been to lectureships. We've all been to, uh, you know, big youth events, youth rallies. We've all been to, you know, big conferences and conventions for Christian people. We've all been there. So we're going to name this brother, Brother Drill. <coughs> Excuse me. And let's say Joe gets up and Joe has been preaching for a very long time. And let's say Joe preaches a sermon on salvation. Right. And I'm talking about this sermon is biblically sound. The sermon is wonderful. He's a great man. You know, he's not looking for praise. And it's, it's a beautiful sermon. So Joe gets down. And after Joe gets down, usually another guy gets up and talks briefly about what just happened. Right. So here's scenario number one. Joe gets up, preaches a wonderful sermon. Again, Joe sound. Joe's a great guy. Joe is not looking for praise. But this is what happens. The guy gets up. And he talks about this, and this is what happens. Man, wasn't that a magnificent sermon by Brother Joe? I mean, the way that Brother Joe uh, presented that sermon was just, was, wasn't it immaculate? You know, wasn't it just beautiful to see the, the impact that Joe has had? You know, Joe is a great man. You know, Joe, I've known Joe for so long, and, and Joe is this, and Joe is that. You know, we appreciate Joe so much, and, you know, I hope that tomorrow – You'll come and hear Joe because Joe's going to do this again, what he did tonight. Joe, we appreciate you. Right? Then closing prayer, closing song. Question at the end of scenario number one. Did Joe preach a great sermon? Yes. Was Joe looking for praise? No. Was Joe doing the right thing? Yes. But at the end of the sermon, who did we just praise more? Did we praise Joe more or did we praise the message more? Be, in order to change, y'all, we got to be honest. Who do we praise more, Joe or the sermon that Joe preached? If I count it correctly, I said Joe like 12 times. So who, do, who did I just praise more in that minute closing speech? I praised Joe. So instead of doing scenario number one, I think here's, a, here's an idea we, we should do. Scenario number two, open scene. Joe just is done preaching a great sermon on salvation again. Again, Joe's not looking for praise. Joe is a great man. Joe does, does the right thing. Joe is not in the wrong in, in both situations. Joe is doing what he's supposed to do. Now, the guy comes up, and why don't we say something like this? <clears throat> you know, we like to thank Brother Joe for that lesson. You know, isn't the word of God so powerful? You know, the word of God, you know, it speaks about salvation. And, you know, isn't it just great that the Lord put the word here and the word is the avenue that can change the heart? The word is the avenue that pricks the heart. <clears throat> the word is the avenue that will allow men to be saved so that we all can get to heaven. You know, and I hope that uh, as we listen to the word tonight, 
that the word has sunk into good soil. And we appreciate you all being here to listen to the word. And I hope that tomorrow, Lord willing, that you will all be here ready to listen to more of what the Lord has to say for us. So scenario number two, <coughs> excuse me. So scenario number two, everything was the same, but let me ask you this. Who was praised more at the end? Was Joe praised or was the word praised? You see, we it's just little things like that, brethren, that if we get to saying things about the word more, then the person is not lifted up as high. That's all I'm saying. I think we should we should um, we should love the word more than the person who delivered the word. Now we may have a connection to that person, which is not wrong. You know, we may have that's what that's wonderful. But let me tell you this: wherever I am, if you come to do a lectureship, if you come to do a gospel meeting, if you come to do a youth rally, I will say I appreciate you and I love you to death. But I'm going to praise what you just preach rather than you. That's just that's just being real. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say you're this, this, and this. I'm gonna say I'm. I'm so grateful that the Lord is using you. I'm grateful that you are the Lord's messenger, but I'm gonna praise the Lord more than you. That that's just how it is here, at least, right? And so think about this, guys. Brother Curtis Cates, uh, he told my dad this a while back, and then Dad told us this as we grew up. He said, "Brother, when you get honor from brethren, when you get recognized." from brethren, if that happens, when you receive an award, when you receive, receive a plaque, when you receive a degree, when you receive whatever from brethren, this is what you need to do. You need to be humble in receiving it. No, he said, first of all, you need to thank the Lord. You need to thank the Lord for using you um, in that capacity. Then number two, you need to thank the brethren, be humble. And then what you need to do, you need to take that plaque, you need to take that degree, you need to open your shelf, Put it in the shelf, close that shelf, and you need to keep working for the Lord. You don't need to stop and reflect on that. You don't need to gloat it. Be thankful, be humble, put it away, and you need to keep working. That's what we need to do, brethren. We need to just keep, because who are we working for anyway? We're working for the Lord. And, you know, I don't want this world to be my kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? You know, Jesus saying that some people on the on the last day will say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done this, that, and this in your name? But I think some people may miss heaven because this is their kingdom. And sometimes Christians are their subjects. But instead of this being my kingdom, I'd rather go to the kingdom, go with him. But that, that takes humility to do that. And that's something that I want to continue to work on. And I hope that's something that you continue to work on. Right. And so if you want to be great in 2020, greatness isn't about the work that you're going to do. Greatness isn't about the plans that you've made. Greatness isn't about the work that you're going to do or the work that you've done already. That's not what greatness is about. Or who sees it. Greatness, guys, is about you getting up every morning, thanking the Lord for a new day, helping the brethren helping yourself, helping others, go to bed, thank the Lord for that day, get up tomorrow, Lord Orland, and do the same thing, whether anybody knows about it or not. You want to know who the Lord sees as great? That's who he sees as great.
So you want to be great in 2020? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, not in men's eyes, what will he do? He will lift you up. Thank you guys so much for a great 2019. I look forward to a great 2020 with you all as well. Thanks, guys.